You're listening to Arsenal Pass, a flesh and blood podcast for players by players. And all about strategy, leveling up, and the latest news in the world of Wraith. Welcome to Arsenal Pass. Welcome back everyone to episode 125 of Arsenal Pass. Hayden Dale here with Brennan Patrick. Coming off the back of our Nationals weekends, two separate Nationals, two separate parts of the world. Two, you know, good weekends, I think. I, I heard that you had a lot of fun playing Kanoka, mm-hmm. uh, which a lot of people won't know about. So, I'll, I'll give you the opportunity to talk about Kanoka at some point. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I haven't really talked to you, Brendan. So, I guess, first of all, before we kind of... I know we're going to recap our nationals on this week's pod. We're going to talk a bit about the kind of meta coming off the back of nationals week one, the outlook for the next two weeks. Obviously, some really interesting things happened over this weekend. Uh, we have a living legend. For a hero. Thank God. But I guess... Rip. <laughs> for a weapon, some will say, regardless of the hero. But I guess, first of all, I'd love to hear... I just, you know, haven't heard anything about your weekend so far. So, how did you enjoy your travels, your trip? And then we can we can talk tournaments later on, mm-hmm. but just kind of overall your, your trip itself. Yeah. So, it was pretty good. I had a great time. Um, you know, it's always a blast going out to these events. Uh, ton- I, it was really interesting this time because in Vegas, we were all at the same hotel. So, you can imagine how rambunctious that place got um but overall it was a relatively chill weekend for me uh, i played kano in the tournament i started out pretty strong i went 2-0 and then hey you actually didn't know this about the kano deck and by the way the kano deck deck is coming soon because uh yeah awesome. i mean obviously it's related um my kano deck my kano deck had three fennel fighting spirit three uh wounded bull and that was only for icelander mm-hmm. um and basically because like yeah, I mean, Icelanders obviously a bad matchup, so you just play the same game plan they do, and then they leak, they leak life, and you just combo them via pitch stack. Um, and it's it's pretty good; it's pretty consistent, to be honest. But it's, you suffer from the same issue that the Icelander bowlanders do in the mirror anyway, which is if you don't draw your reds and your blues um, to do the attack action, and you end up just drawing them all at the same time, it's pretty much a death sentence. So, yeah, I was uh, I was two zero, and then I lost. Um, I lost that match and then I lost to a Briar fucking wolf pack, uh, brought Briar with, um, literally all the AB spell, spell void. void in the- bro, bro, it was like, <laughs> of course, it was insane. It was insane. They were all on it. So I played one of the wolf pack and, um, yeah, lost that match. I mean, honestly, it's fine to deal with. Uh, my opponent didn't have spell voids, had high AB, but did CMHB on turn zero. So that, that really limits Classic. the amount of life pull you have to work with starting at 30. Um, so I lost that one. Then when it went to Monarch draft, drafted a pretty good Levia deck, to be honest. Um, and I won the first one. And I went to the second match and I got to a board state. My opponent prismatic me. This is my second match. My opponent prismatic me pretty early. So I had to go off a lot sooner than I wanted to. But got to a point where my opponent was at six life. Um, no cards in hand, no cards in deck. And I have a Dread Screamer that I've pitched. I have four cards in Graveyard. One is a six. And um, yeah, I miss it that time. I've done a Blood Tet. So that, that was great. And Man Saint was standing right there, funny enough. And he goes, oof. <laughs> he just felt he just felt for me in that moment and uh, i was x3 at that point so i went into my last match and i kind of just threw for content my opponent did have spill blood um and gallantry which is it's quite good but i had a 19 damage levia turn and i was just like mm, go to one no blocks and he goes beacon of victory uh, so which i'd actually oh. see i know you're probably like holy <laughs> shit what is this bolton deck but uh i had you sort of draft though. i had dra- i had passed it in the draft so i kind of threw on that one i was going to drop anyway and um 
Yeah, I actually ended up not playing the calling. I went out with my girlfriend, so we kind of just did Vegas stuff and just hung out. Nice. Um, and yeah, we played played fun stuff like Kanoka, uh, Dan Dan, or what we like to call Can Can, which is uh, it's like a shared deck Kano game, which is pretty fun because you can Kano in response to your opponent, you know, like stacking cards, etc. Yeah. Um, but yeah, overall, good weekend. Hayden, how about yourself? Well, I have a couple of questions first. A couple of questions first. So it's interesting. I wish you would talk to me about this Kano strategy because it's so funny. Me and, uh, you know, testing partner, friend of the pod, Damakai, we spent a lot of time on Kano at the start of this year heading into the Calling Auckland because we wanted to play Kano at that. So we played the Iceland matchup. I, 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 I don't think I'm exaggerating when I say I think we played about 60 to 70 games of Kano versus Icelander and we tried every strategy under the sun, <laughs> including the attack action yeah. strategy, um, which like we thought was... Uh, so the first three or four games, we absolutely destroyed the Icelander, and then the Icelander adapted. So I think it is. I think it is. Obviously, the attacks are really good, especially if the Icelander doesn't like anticipate it. I think it is really good. Um, I just yeah, I'm just, just curious that you guys came to that as well. Um, so super interesting. And my other question, well, actually, it wasn't a question; it's a statement. I guess mm. my question, I guess, about that was like, how did you did, did you get to play them out in the game, and then did you end up just like brooking on reds at some point? Yeah, I uh, played. That uh, kind of hurt you? No, I played in Icelander round one, and I mean, I mean, it might have been close on life totals, but it was not close at all. Like I had stacked yeah, yeah. double wildfire; they were like what, like six life. I mean, it, it was not close. Um, and then yeah, against the the second Icelander that I paired into, I just didn't see them for the entire game, and then I saw three of them in a single hand, and yeah, I mean it's just a death sentence, right? Because you can't play the AB AB tax, and then you go to your turn, and uh, just you know, and there's so far ahead. Yeah, it's, I mean, I literally just comboed off in that turn. So it, I mean, it's totally fine. Um, that's just sort of how how that goes. It's the it's. It is the pack that you make when you put attack actions in a wizard deck is drawing them correctly. Yeah. Um, that's an interesting one. Yeah, you got to get a little bit... Uh, well, you know what? This pod is... This episode of the pod I've, I've titled or entitled Brennan getting Kano'd at Nationals. And uh, there's a couple of reasons for that. You know, I think... It sounds like actually you had a pretty reasonable run with, with Kano. Maybe the, the draft wasn't as uh, panned out the way you would have would have liked so maybe you didn't get quite Kano'd in the same way, but yeah. I definitely got a little bit Kano'd this weekend. I thought I was going to 3-0 my draft, even though I was one of two Levias. I definitely had the better Levia deck. The other Levia switched yeah. to pick eight. Um, but, you know, sometimes it just happens. Sometimes you... Uh, the thing is, is like I technically took a risk, right? With the Dread Screamer, I had four cards of Graveyard, one is a six. But uh, the reason I was in that position in the first place is because I got prismatic on turn zero. So, like, that that's a rough spot to be in as uh, as Lev Live. Oh, it's funny you yeah, say that. Yeah, it's funny you uh, say that. <laughs> <laughs> I can get into my my event in a minute. Uh, I, Vegas overall, I mean, I'd heard a lot of good things about US Nationals oh, and the calling Las great. Vegas that Vegas was, this was, I, I'd heard that people say this is the best calling they've experienced in the US so far. You know, we're now almost a dozen callings in, I think, in the US or 10 or so callings. So that's a, that's a big sort of statement. What was your takeaway? You've been to yeah. a lot of- so the venue was amazing i mean like we were all in the same hotel room at the west gate and it was probably a two minute walk inside so it, it was fantastic it was actually pretty nice um, in terms of like how vegas venues go like it was carpeted i mean this is a big step up for vegas and overall everything went pretty smoothly to be honest uh you know flesh and blood tournaments are just at that stage uh, at this point where they tend to go pretty smoothly especially when seg runs them um i do hope though and I know that a lot of people that I spoke to uh, feel the same way. I do hope that they maybe move away from Vegas as a premier location. I don't know. It's just, it, to be honest, like I think Vegas is novel and cool, but I just, 
I just don't really like. I just don't really like it. Like the flights are insanely expensive. The food's insanely expensive. If you have to Uber anywhere, you're to- you're basically impoverished after a certain point, <laughs> and it, it, it sort of lost its appeal. I think it's just it's it's actually it's like it used to be really convenient. Now it's just insanely inconvenient. And I hope that like maybe we go to a less. Uh, I mean, just for price sensitive reasons, like a less less crazy area, maybe somewhere more central. But um, yeah, I mean, overall Vegas is it's it's a fine location. I think in terms of venue and actual like calling logistics, how it was ran, et cetera, they knocked it out of the park. I just hope mm-hmm. that you know they aren't sitting in the LSS sort of board meetings, go like, mm, let's give them Las Vegas, Vegas baby. <laughs> let's give them Las Vegas. I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm hoping we're going somewhere. You know, even like yeah. even somewhere in California, um, Washington, something like that, would be great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I I've only been to Vegas once. I, you know, had fun. It's a it's a cool city, but um, I don't know if I want to continually be going there once or twice a year for flesh and blood events. I mean, no, you know, obviously being outside the US is a little bit different for me. But yeah, I saw yeah. I saw some of your friends there. I saw this little show. It's called, I think it's called Thunder Down Under. I saw some. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, unfortunately, they did ask me to be involved, but um, you know, just life is is too busy right now, so. Had to pass up on that one. <laughs> uh, it's good. Glad that you went though, and you enjoyed the show. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, I got a lot of attention because I went solo. You know, I was I was about to say, yeah, it was weird that you didn't take anyone with you. You just went by yourself. <laughs> you know how it is. Uh, well, you know, I guess any other kind of shout outs you want to make? Uh, mm-hmm. Who did you spend time with over the weekend? Who were, who did you kind of hang out with at the event? Honestly, mostly like uh, <clears throat> Majin, who we've recently on the pod, and Peter Budinsek, mm-hmm. who. Um, sort of helped me with the Kano deck. Outside of that, um, you know, of course, there's the Wolfpack, Zach and his little crew of Arcane Barrier Gremlins. I hung out with them. Um, they had a pretty good performance on the weekend, to be honest. They put people in the top eight of the calling. Almost, I mean, put someone in the finals of the calling. They had two in top eight of the Pro Tour. But, you know, when your yep. team is 80 people large, it's like <laughs> you're just playing the numbers <laughs> at that point, and that's Vegas. Beep. Beat me to the punchline. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, we love it. Shout out to Matt Coles. Um, I know that... I think he's part of the Wolfpack, right? But yeah. um, there was Nick, who's a good friend of mine. Was they him and like Tarek and and some others did like a bit of a, a fantasy draft for top eight nationals. I was like, oh man, someone should have snapped up Matt Cole's way way higher. Uh, he's been on on some good runs lately. Yeah, I think, he's also you know, a world champion and in, in other card games. Yeah, in another game, Star Wars LCG. I think he well, he won the world champion with Zach Bun. So that maybe that game was not as competitive. Wow. <laughs> he carried as well. He does. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we love you, Zach. Oh my god! Okay, <laughs> Brendan's like, all right, not too much. <laughs> all right, I'll talk about my event a little bit. Um, I've had an interesting couple of days, like post my event. I think I managed to make top four at at nationals here in Australia. Uh, again, venue wise, we had a great venue for our nationals. I think the best venue we've had of the three nationals we've had so far, which was super exciting. Um, finally, you know, to to have a, a great venue. Not that we haven't had bad ones in the past, but last year was a maybe not the ideal experience i think with nationals here in australia anyone who is listening from australia and was there would probably know that but this this year the event ran super smoothly um the venue was great it was in a kind of like an older town hall but had lots of space in it uh, you had a lot of table space which i'm always very thankful for you know <laughs> having two to a table as opposed to trying to squeeze three or four to a table which is just craziness um yeah ended up making top four i i can kind of i might start with this and i can talk through my event <laughs> I made a bit of a misplay in my top four match, Brennan, and it's been haunting me for the last couple of days. I don't know if it would have meant that I won my top four match, um, but it was definitely a misplay that cost me 
net, net three life across the mm-hmm. game. I would have basically had three more life uh, to, to play with across the game. The game ended up being pretty close. Um, but I was playing against Farhad, who had an amazing run over the weekend, ended up losing, falling just short in the final on Kano. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about Kano in, in the pod and the kind of success that Kano's had this weekend uh, and, you know, egg on my face, Brendan, maybe a little bit. But, um, <clears throat> yeah, Farhad played amazingly in our, our top four game, played super tight. And uh, it was actually the third time we played in the weekend. We played twice in draft. We were both in the top draft pod in both drafts. Um, and then we played in the in the semifinals as well. So, you know, we split the the Swiss games <clears throat> one apiece. And then he he took, you know, closed it out, took vengeance and uh, went on the way to the finals. But yeah, definitely have definitely limited a little bit my kind of misplay in, in the top four, which some people saw on stream. Some people missed me about as well. And I was like, yep, <laughs> it's, uh, it's one of the worst misplays I've probably made. It literally missing table damage. Mm. Um, but yeah, tried to move on since then. <laughs> yeah, Kano, uh, Kano, interesting, interesting position for the meta. I think it was. I think the positioning uh, in terms of if you look at the macro meta was fine. Mm. Um, I think the conditions specifically at U.S. Nationals maybe not great because that um, that entire caravan of a team called the Wolfpack brought so much freaking arcade yeah. barrier. And uh, Briar is just not a great matchup, especially with the Spell Void. I mean, <clears throat> it's just higher variance. So, yeah, I mean, I mean, Kano, like you said, finalist Australian Nationals, winner of Polish Nationals. You guys got to be careful. Philippines gonna, as well, on the Philippines. You guys are going to get something yeah. banned. I mean, this this character is supposed to be unplayable in the developer's eyes. They want it to be uh-huh. absolute garbage. <laughs> uh, I mean, it's definitely still very good. So I can talk a bit about my, my event. Yeah, as I said, uh, finished top four. Ended up playing Dromai. If you want to hear about that, there is a deck tech going up tomorrow on the Dromai deck. Also, we did a, a Patreon pod. We talked about the decks we're playing at Nationals that went up over the weekend as well, uh, where I do talk a bit more in depth about the kind of decision to play Dromai and uh, a little bit about the list, um, but more on this, this deck tech that's coming out this week. But yeah, ended up playing Dromai. Had a great time playing Dromai. Had a very good run in Constructors. So I went 5-1 in Constructed in Swiss. So I went 3-0. So... Brendan, this will remind you of the old days of of, um, of flesh and blood, but mm-hmm. I played nine rounds and did two drafts on day one, day one of my nationals. I don't know if you know that that's how some of the nationals work. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, f- basically for the same reason they work that way in the past, right? It's like these smaller tournament organizers and just like they can get scheduled that way. I mean, you say you played a lot of rounds, so like back in the day, it was uh, it was double trouble, right? Because you played a lot of rounds and they were not speedy at all. They're, so nah. a lot of people don't know that uh, you know how you can't concede and that the game kind of just ends uh, when the round's over. Well, it didn't used to be like that. It used to be uh, <laughs> five turns of uh, politics negotiation. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, on Friday, I actually linked up with We Make Best, who you might be familiar with, you know, as a, as a Kano main, Brendan. Mm-hmm. And we, we did we did a draft, a couple of drafts with them, which was good. They're, they're from the other side of the country to us. So they were over here. The, the venue was literally 15 minutes from my house. So I slept in my own bed and everything. It was, oh, wow. it was great. Um, so we linked up with We Make Best on Friday, did a couple of Monarch drafts. And then, you know, kind of got my confidence behind me. It was my, own, my second ever 3-0 draft. Uh, in, in Monarchs since I've been back to, to drafting Monarchs. So, you know, really just getting off on the right foot for the event. Uh, show up to the event, play round one. I get paired round one a draw my mirror, <laughs> which I was like, oh man, I really don't want to go to time here. And my opponent was good as well. Shout out to Isaac, who I know listens to the pod from Melbourne. Um, he played a very good game. At one point, I think he was 17 life up on me, Brendan. Mm-hmm. I think I got down to like six life or something. Managed to pull it back, win the mirror round one, really close game. Uh, played a, a Lexi, played a Briar in the first two rounds of Constructed, won those both, went into the first draft at 3-0. 
and then 2-1-2 on my drafts. And yeah, you'll never guess, both my draft losses came down to turn zero red prismatic. So, uh, <laughs> from my opponent with them going second. Classic. It's a good card. I mean, honestly, it's a card that we should have mentioned in the, uh, you yeah, know, at least have. in the vicinity of Via the Vanguard and Spill Blood and like stuff like that. That's very, very good. It's, it's pretty good. I mean, I guess if you draw it the wrong time, it's kind of bad. Yeah. Turn zero. Yeah. <laughs> Turn zero going second and your opponent can't punish you for it is pretty insane, which is kind of what happened to me both times. So, uh, but I did that, I did do a, a dirty on camera where I had a, a chain deck in my first draft that was very powerful. And uh, I just went like 14 damage, 13 damage, 12 damage, 15 damage, like in four turns in a row just to kill my opponent on camera, uh, which was Farhad, who then avenged himself by beating me in top four. So, you know, swings and roundabouts, I guess. Um, second draft yeah two one again as well by that time it's like seven o'clock or something like the day's been super long so get a bit of food hit home and then need, knowing that i need to like two one basically so i finished the day at x x2 the two losses in draft knowing i need to x1 basically on the on the day to make top eight on sunday get so i'm looking at the bracket right? i get home look at the bracket and there's like i think it's like eight people i could play in my mm-hmm. bracket and i'm like dromai so there was like i think it's like six dromai in the top 12 after day one like so i was like okay mirror please give me the mirror there's like dromai dromai dash icelander dromai you know like all these things and then it's like one fi and i was like all right i just need to dodge this one fi brendan what do i pair into round one on day two yeah of course i had the five of course i had the five play into darren on fi uh who you know i think in the end i win the die roll which is huge to start with end up winning that game um just kind of yeah die roll plus some draws and i think some tight play got me there and then I get paired into eventual Nationals winner, Sam Sutherland on Dash, who who beats me. And then I have like a, a win in the last round and another draw my mirror, uh, which I end up getting there on and, and making top eight. And then I have an hour and 40 minute top eight match <laughs> in a draw my mirror. Yeah, I've had the pleasure of casting one of those. They're just a delight. <laughs> Uh, I, I felt pretty good. I think the tough thing for my opponent was I think I was ahead most of the game and my opponent kind of had to navigate. Uh, my opponent Zach had to kind of navigate trying to get back into the game a little bit and he was able to put some good damage on the table but just wasn't able to kind of really claw back my ash advantage he was able to at one point and then kind of fell behind again so there was a lot of like kind of play on his behalf trying to get back into the game and yeah I mean when you're in an untimed situation I think you know in a drama mirror there's so many turns and so many interactions I think when you're playing it in a Swiss situation you're just like pumping through and trying to make sure you get through the game um, and in this situation obviously a little bit more time's taken so it ended up being like an hour and 40 game and then went into the top four pretty fatigued uh, not an excuse for making a mistake. Made a bad mistake in top four. Don't know if Farhar was playing so well, as I said. I don't know if that would have, you know, won me the game in the end, but definitely felt a little bit bad about, you know, about potentially punting my top four. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, then shout out to Farhad and Sam who made the finals in Australia. Sam, by the way, Sam Sutherland, if people don't know who Sam Sutherland is, he's, a, he's just the like dash connoisseur main. His run this year has been insane. He won the Calling Auckland to start the year. He then top eighted in Singapore and now he's just won Australian Nationals as well. He's had an amazing start to the year uh, run-wise. So uh, I know he didn't quite put up the result in Baltimore that he did go to, but watch out for that guy. He's, uh, he's had a great, great start to the year. Freaking dash, that's my nationals, Brendan. What's going on? And we even talked about it. We even talked about it last week. We were like, mm, why does Dash just like randomly win events? I just don't understand. I actually don't understand. It's not random though. It's it's like, it's this deck that can do everything, right? So I think people who are so experienced and just at the highest level of player can just navigate, you know, almost any matchup. Like this, okay, this is something I haven't seen before. We played in Swiss. He beat me mm-hmm. in Swiss. I was like super far ahead in this game. And I think he identified the way he was going to win this game was like this just a crazy high octane turn. He kind of landed purifiers through the game to kind of keep on 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 par. And then he has this turn where he does basically nothing. He he sparks for a Teclo core 
and then cracks his boots, sparks for another Ticklo core, sets up a high octane in his arsenal, just passes the turn back, gives me five cards. Ultimately, I couldn't really punish him with the five cards, which kind of sucked. But then he just goes on the next turn and deals me like 36 damage or something with like a double tick, low core, high octane turn, just, you know, with double purify, just goes nuts on the turn. So like, I was like, wow, that, you know, that was such a heads up play. You know, I think only someone who's super experienced in dash would be able to take that kind of line and, and commit to such a big turn, knowing that the opponent could punish them. If this doesn't come off, the game could be over. Yeah, I just never would have. I never would have thought Dash would have been one of those decks back in the day. It was just such a such the cookie. It was the cookie cutter deck of the people, and nowadays it's mm-hmm. just this deck that you know it rarely top eights, but it just wins tournaments. <laughs> I mean, that's yeah. that's what I'm saying. It's like it's not. It maybe it's not randomly, randomly, but it looks statistically like just weird. You know, just taking down. Yeah, yeah, but I. The conversion it has is often very good, you know, in the hands of these players. So I know I kind of refuted last week a little bit about specialists, but obviously people have proved me wrong this week. Mm-hmm. We've seen a lot of, you know, specialists or, you know, I guess decks that a little bit outlying win events. Anyway, Brennan, I thought something fun on the pod. Mm-hmm. This gold foil from the weekend, top four gold we're foil. giving it away to the person that most upvotes in the comments. <laughs> no, we're not. <laughs> we're definitely not doing that. Well, if it's ass, but what I- if it's really bad? Can wow. We- yeah, uh, you know, uh, what's the frost chest? Heart of ice. All right, I'm going to open this on the pod. We're going to open this now. Brendan, any predictions? What do you reckon's in the uh, gold foil? If you're an audio listener, don't worry, I'll give you play-by-play as we open this mm. top four nationals gold foil. What do you reckon? All right, what so what what else was open from top eight? Uh, yes, so this is, I saw a black tech whisper is opened. Okay. And uh, I don't know if anyone else opened theirs, actually. No, 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 wait. Um, so I think Sam opened his. Uh, I will find that for you while I'm. It's fine. I'm it's fine. I'm still just gonna have guess. guess. I'm gonna guess red back shroud just to make you happy. Red back shroud. Oh, he got he got quiver. Okay. So, every case he, he sent me a message said quiver with a sad face. So I didn't even know that could be a goal for. Yeah, it's a legendary, right? So yeah. they're all the new ones. All right, let's see what we got. That is a bad one. I saw someone open carrion husk in Brazil. Okay, that's yeah, that's cool. decent. So what did you say? I said Redback Shroud. There, this is so funny. This Dude, is so different from back, like back in the day. It was all hits. You know, you could maybe get like something kind of like medium. But nowadays, you, there's some big whiffs. Do you remember Dante was sad that he opened um, Stormstriders? Yeah, I almost slapped him. It was crazy. <laughs> and then he opened the Parian Husk and he was also sad, which was, I guess that one makes more sense in context. But damn, Stormstriders, Stormstriders is like one of the best gold foils. All right, I'm going to open this in front of the camera so we're going to see this little... they got these little labels that like say null and void once you open them. Mm. There you go. Take it that off. now void. Here. What's Are you open it facing so us? No, I'm no, turn, it, turn it. Turn yeah. it. Yeah. Turn it to me so I can yeah, get no, my reaction first. Yeah, I get my reaction first. Or can you see okay, the camera? Right. Fuck. Just close your can eyes. You see it? Yeah, yeah. Close your okay, eyes. Okay, close my eyes. I keep going. Pull it. Oh, it's pretty fucking good. Oh, you're lucky. You're lucky. Ooh, Skullboard Crossfire. You got, an, right, you got right. an Arcane Rising. That's good, dude. That is That's really right. good. Ah, that okay. that is really good. I know this. I know that it's not super played because of New Horizons and stuff, but getting an OG one is really good compared to some yeah. of like the new really niche ones. That that is a good hit. There we go, Skullboard Crossrap. I mean, I'm a big fan of Skullboard Crossrap, so there we go. Nice. nice. All right. Take that. You have to play it like I played mine. Um my Kano deck has a few gold foils. You just have to put it in a normal sleeve. Maybe triple sleeve it, but no no slab. Didn't you open a Braveforge Braces? I did. I traded it for Storm Striders. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Yeah. All right. I mean, 
we we're going to talk about meta and stuff soon. We want to get into some news. Anything else to say kind of on your Nationals experience? No, I think that the narrative at U.S. Nationals was pretty cool. We can get into that. But just you know, from the top, we had a <clears throat> somewhat rogue deck win the tournament, uh, which is crazy. Mm-hmm. And then we also had two Zoomers in the top eight. And I think they're self-identified Zoomers, so I can say that. Uh, in the form of Evan and Lucas Oswald, which is crazy. It's freaking crazy that these young these uh, they're probably obviously they don't think they're kids, but these young guys are doing so well now. Um, two into the top eight. It was just it, I remember people when I was talking about it, and Evan said that to me himself. He's like, "Yeah, dude, the Zoomers are crushing it." <laughs> <laughs> I don't think I know Evan. I know no Lucas. We've had him You've on. Met um, Evan. That's what's funny. I, I, funny story. Okay, I'm sorry to interrupt, but funny story about Evan. You've met Evan because Evan definitely walked up uh, to us and was around us at U.S. Nationals number one. And I was like, I was talking to him. I was like, Does, did Evan like lose a bunch of weight or something? Because he just looked way different. And like, nah, dude, I think he just grew up. And I was like, oh. <laughs> and that's absolutely what happened. He just, he just got older. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Makes sense. Um, oh, well, congratulations to, to, <clears throat> to Evan then, you know, turning in that run uh yeah i don't really have anything else to say about about my nationals i had a really good weekend um i just quick shout out to those that helped me prepare you know nick and dan in particular nick for working on the deck together and and with his other counterparts he's been sort of working with and then dan for being a great testing partner again dan also top aided uh new zealand nationals so shout out to dan uh, for his run there who won new zealand but, nationals yeah. uh icelander won i don't know who won but icelander won Okay. <laughs> Not Dan. I, I know Dan didn't win. Name. <laughs> but, uh, Shout out Oliver, to the New Zealand national champion. Oliver. Yeah, yeah. Shout out to all of our national champions. Let's get into the news. First of all, shout out to all of our national champions who have newly been crowned this weekend. I don't think we've had another another two-time national champion just yet or three-time national champion as, as uh, I think Tarek might be the only person mm-hmm. who's live to do that uh, still. But you know, no two, no more two-time national champions. Uh, I think over the weekend we had one, two, three, four, like over a dozen national champions uh, crowned, and you know we had New Zealand, Poland, Brazil, France, Italy, states of course, uh, Denmark, Finland, Iceland, Indonesia, just so many around the world. So uh, shout out to to all our new national champions. Um, we can talk a little bit about meta once we get into it, but. Yeah, very exciting for for those, and I'm sure some some nice gold foils cracked around the world as mm-hmm. well. Other news, uh, also congrats to Charles, of course, uh, for winning in the US. Draw my deck tech going up tomorrow, breaking down this deck. Honestly, I I think I felt I stood there at the end of nationals and was like I had the best deck in the room. Like I just without a shadow of a doubt, yeah, I just I felt, felt like I had the best. I just felt like I had the best deck. I like all my mirrors felt, while some of them felt close, they all felt pretty comfortable. Uh, my one loss was to Dash where I felt like, in Swiss where I felt like I was like, I don't know if I played, you know, particularly as my best and Sam played super, super well. And same with my top eight, Far Hard played super, super well. And and I made a bit of a mistake. So yeah, I just felt like the, the deck is kind of, kind of gassed to be honest. So deck tech coming out on that. Um, and then we've got two more weeks of nationals, bright lights just around the corner, but also Brendan, just before we jumped on the pod, Alice just keep doing this. They keep giving us the, the source just before we do the pod. It's like they like they know that we've moved our recording yeah. time a little bit. We got to take a 10,000 uh, foot view of this one because we didn't have time to look at the cards and yeah, I mean, it literally- I've asked happen. someone though. Okay. I asked I asked my, my group chat, I was like, can someone shout out some of the cards that look most interesting? But yes, this is the round table, uh, Tillerian Community College times LSS collaboration, which- Okay, first of all, Brennan, mm. we've both kind of said 
in the past, we would be not in favor of seeing collaborations, especially this early on in Flesh and Blood's uh, history. And we have a collaboration here. So what was your kind of thoughts when you heard about this? Obviously, we already knew about this, but now we have the details of of the Blitz decks that are coming out and the cards in the set. There's over 100 new cards. So there's yeah. actually new cards being printed for this. Kind of what's your top level, I guess, thoughts on this? Uh, so the thing is, I didn't read anything. I just saw the headlines. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, it, literally, I didn't get much time. Um, but... So if the cards are unique to the box, that's pretty interesting, right? So if we look back to a particular warrior card, I think it's Glistening Steelblade. That was, uh, you know, the price was very high on that because it was in that box and that box was ass. Sorry to people who developed it that loved that box. It was just not a good product in my opinion. Um, And I just hope we don't get into one of those scenarios. It's it's weird to have an IP crossover like that because I think that it's an easy critique of Magic the Gathering right now is the IP crossovers with, I mean, people like Lord of the Rings, uh, people like Warhammer 40k, and that was like a side product. People like those brands, but if it was like, you know, some of the ones are like Magic the Gathering X The Walking Dead. I mean, that's that's pretty, that, that misses a lot of people. And a, you know, a collaboration with a YouTuber is really interesting at this stage of mm-hmm. the game. So, I mean, obviously the um, the professor has been, quite outspoken about his uh sort of his support of the game i don't know if that's paid or unpaid but is a big fan of the game has been at a lot of the events etc so that's been someone that legendary has been working with for a while and you can see that in the product i mean they developed cards um you know specifically there's one in his likeness and they developed a set around it it's it's really weird to be honest hayden like it's it kind of came out of nowhere and well i know there's been rumors of it but it's an interesting idea for a product especially when we're introducing this these many new cards um i think in terms of like design for a pickup and play product from a high level and like i said i haven't delved too much into it looks pretty good right rip up with yeah. some packs play it's like some of it gpf uh sort of upf uh esque and mm-hmm. yeah i don't know i it's hard to evaluate f- um from the beginning but just the core concept of doing a big product release like that in collaboration with the youtuber is an interesting choice by legendary studios yeah, I don't have too much to say on that kind of top level aspect of it, of the decision to do it and um, kind of doing it with the professor in particular and, and it being this kind of crossover. I mean, it's interesting for sure. And I think he's clearly someone who is passionate about flesh and blood. He's got behind the game pretty early on. And like you say, in whatever capacity that is, um, I know he's, yeah. I mean, I think the, the coolest thing, though, is some of these cards. And I think these Blitz decks look pretty cool. I just had a sort of a look through. You know, we've got uh, a new Bard hero, um, Melody, which we'd already heard about. We have the Professor himself, and you know, immortalized in a hero now as Professor Teklavossin. Uh, we have this new Guardian hero, Bravant, Civic Protector. Uh, we have an Ira deck as well. So these are the four decks. And then my kind of thought would be the mechanologist the new mechanologist cards that we're seeing printed for the professor's deck will be available in the next set will be available in bright lights I yeah think that would that would be my thought do they have that's that a, MSRP that's a, on it, that's a guess sorry to interrupt do does it have an msrp i mean i assume it does i just i don't know if it's in this yeah article. well i mean we don't really have to find it. i mean from like again from it high- does i've got it here okay great what is it's it? uh 69.90 usd for per display okay yeah, I was hoping it was so under before. 50 because the last one definitely felt like a scam. And I know that's pretty aggressive language, but 
Yo, that thing sucked. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. There was four dicks in this, right? Yeah, so it's get, better in terms get, of value. Get... The other one was the two cars, and they put in these like random foils you could only get in yeah. there. It felt really money grabby, and it didn't feel like it did not feel like flesh and blood. I was not a big fan of that product. It was like above $50 as well. And I think just going above that price tag is just like, you know, obviously it's uh, there's a value exchange. So it's like how much content is in the box, but over 50 bucks, that's expensive for like a, what could be more supplementary esque product. I mean, I guess the, the focus of this one really is UPF. So this isn't necessarily for, you know, I think the kind of downfall with you talked about the... Um, Listening steel lane. What were they even... No, but what was the product even called? What, the, the like the pseudo dual decks? Um, yeah, I keep calling classic it Classic battles. Classic battles. I think that is a new player product, right? So it needed a new player price. Yeah, this welcome to the game. a new player. 50 plus dollars. <laughs> and it's like, no. Yeah. yeah, it's just like, that's that's the thing. It's like, you have this... There's there's a balance, right? Where you create a new player product, mm-hmm. but then you make the price prohibitive. And it's like, okay, what's going on here? So we can move past that. But I, I don't think this is the same vein as that product. I mean, you know, you get a rubber play mat, um, this reusable box, and it's designed for UPF. I think this is, is very cool. I'm excited to see. We've talked about needing grassroots products for tabletop play, for casual play, and this could be one of the first of these products uh, that could really help drive that. So I think my one concern will always be printing cards that are legal for class constructed mm-hmm. in these products that then people who are competitive players feel like they need to get and you know potentially sell out products or take product away from the players who are playing the primary use of this, which is UPF. But you know, obviously that's part of a tactic to make sure that the product width, you know, and the sales uh, can be driven there. So is what it is. Anyway, my thought is that we'll see some of these cards reprinted immediately in bright lights. These these uh, mechanologist cards. Yeah. I'm not sure if that's, you know, that's just a, that's a thought. I don't know if that's going to be true. Uh, and then the rest of these cards look like they're specifically UPF cards and not necessarily needed for class constructed. Although some of these cards are quite interesting. So like now Guardian has a much better legs equipment. Yep. I think people like Guardian players are going to want this. We've got Civic Steps, which is only comes in this, uh, in the uh, Brevant deck, which is, it's a temper, two defense temper. And it says when this defense create a quicken token under your another hero's control. So has obviously a bit of a downside in 1v1, but in some matchups it's like, okay, I don't care about the quicken token and I've got a temper too. So that looks like a potential um a potential upgrade for Guardian uh, in class constructor, for instance. Or yes. blitz, you know, outside of UPF. I think it is. I think that card isn't like I think that that is not a potential upgrade. That is an upgrade and we're probably going on a lot of sideboards. Cause like you said, the quicken token, it might look like you're you know, you have a negative to it, but often when you will be playing this card setting in, it's not gonna be much of a negative, if at all. So that card looks really good. I mean, if they print cards that are very powerful and class constructed, and if you like must you must acquire them, and then they don't print them in the next set, they will have exper- they will have done this before. And not learn from it, which is not would not be a good look. We'd have no confirmation on whether that will happen or not. But LSS should know from classic battles that printing cards that force players to buy a product that they do not want in order to acquire competitive cards is not healthy for the game. And if you're doing it on purpose, it's 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 just like it's disrespectful to your your audience to an extent. Like seventy dollar glistening yep. steel blade, too much. <laughs> anyway, uh, well, I mean, now you can get much cheaper because the product is, uh, you know. Yeah, anyway. <laughs> There's a few other cards I think that are quite interesting as well. So Mask of Three Tails. This is the ninja head equipment at rare that comes with the Ira deck. Um, this is, and I think it's cool putting Ira in here, you know. There's the Ira learn to play. This kind of continuation of Ira and letting Ira be in the hands of new players. It's been identified as a great hero for introduction from LSS. And so they're going to continue with that in products that players can get their hands on readily. So 
well, in theory at least, Ira Crimson Haze. Uh, this Mask of Three Tails, very interesting. Ninja Head Equipment, defend zero at rare, says instant destroy this, draw a card, activate this ability only if you hit three or more times this combat chain. So um, only if you've hit three or more. So really interesting, you know, power out your big combo turns, your big Ira turns, uh, your big go-by combos. And then also Bittering Thorns is getting a red version. So previously printed in yellow, a one for three defense two now we've actually got this at a one for four breakpoint in red which is really interesting when this hits your next attack this turn gets plus one um so potential one for five value on bittering thorns that's a good card (laughs) yeah that's a good card yeah yeah okay well we can kind of leave that i mean they're sure that you will digest cards over the next week and there'll be more to be said about this product but it's it's very interesting and look regardless i think it's exciting um i'm really interested to see how it plays out i think it's it's an exciting product i think driving more UPF, more multiplayer products uh, and heroes specifically for that so people can sit down and, and uh, you know, do some things that are a bit more interesting. I think, you know, they're, they're not scared. Alice has shown they're not afraid to print width in these young heroes for formats like UPF, for Blitz, etc. Um, maybe taking a more of a cautious approach with the adult heroes. How many adult heroes will we see in Bright Lights? That is going to be a big question. Uh, could it just be one hero? Could it be two heroes, for instance? That's going to be very interesting to see. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, yeah. I think at this point in terms of like evaluation, it's like, I don't know if it's good or bad. If it's good, like in terms of like, uh, is it a good product or bad product? Are the cards good or bad? It's just too hard to say at this point because um, we just got mm-hmm. the announcement. But if you're listening to this podcast and you're sitting there on YouTube, it's like, let us know in the YouTube comments. I'd actually love to hear people that have dove more into it and or have strong opinions. I'd love to hear them, to be honest. Yeah, yeah. Let us know what your thoughts are so far, because yeah, I don't, I don't have any kind of community sentiment right now. I, my primary thoughts are this looks pretty good, but um, yeah, keen to hear what others think. Else from the news, Brennan, you've got a Kano deck tech that's going to go up probably next week. Now at the stage, probably early next week, I think. Yeah, hopefully. Coming. Let's keep coming. an eye for that. It's coming. <laughs> Come on, cook out time, surely. Let's do it. If you want to get your questions in for the Commander Cookout, you can do so by dropping them on our YouTube comments below. If you're on the YouTube version of this podcast you can also email them to us arsenalpassfab at gmail.com you can tweet at us either to the official arsenal pass twitter account or to myself or brendan on twitter you can uh, also drop them in the discord if you are an arsenal pass patreon and have access to our community discord question this week does come from the discord brendan this is from thagor who says here's one question how do you handle it when you've had a bad streak like, let's say three big tournaments in a row where you had subpar performances compared to what you're used to or expect. Do you take a break? Do you try to train even more to fix things? How do you approach it? Just hang them up, start casting. No. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so this goes back to a concept we've talked about for honestly years. And that's trust. Uh, just like finding joy or finding fulfillment in the process rather than results. Easier said than done, right? It's hard to put in a lot of time and maybe not get there. And then sort of keep your ego on the planet, right? Because you kind of feel like you're like, maybe I'm not meant for this, et cetera, et cetera. But ultimately, I know this is our our method is we try to not look at the results almost at all. Maybe we use it as a sort of barometer is like if we need to change something in our process, like if everybody does terrible, we maybe go back. We're like, okay, maybe we need to test more. Maybe we need to change how we do our notes, et cetera. But ultimately, we really focus on the process side of it um, and find joy in that. I right? find, find fulfillment in the 
developing the team, developing sort of the data, the you know the sheets, the integrity of the data, making sure we're playing all of our matchups, get our game plan solid, et cetera, et cetera. If we feel like if we hone in that process um, enough and we really dedicate ourselves to be masters of the process rather than you know trying to reach some result or some um, or something like that, then ultimately that will just lead to success. Like this is sort of the um, these are the ingredients and this is the equation for success. So if we just follow this, then ultimately we'll get there. Um, and that 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 gets us to the point where we try not to look too much at the results, even the positive run, even the positive ones, right? Um, so it's it, the short answer is to trust the process or sort of find fulfillment in the process itself. I think that that's that's a great way to look at it, honestly. And I think that has worked for us in particular. You know, I, I think that will work for some people. That might not work for everyone. And I think the first thing to, to really do is step back and just assess, like, what are my goals here? You know, what do I want to get out of my time playing flesh and blood? And if it is to have competitive success, you know, regular or consistent competitive success, and you feel like those goals aren't being met, even if you are maybe enjoying the process and, and feel like, you know, you're having a lot of fun still playing it, maybe you're not as well. That could be another thing. I think it really is about, first of all, stepping back and being like, what are my goals here? And then the next piece is like to step back again and say like, am I am I enjoying this? Am I enjoying the process? Am I enjoying what I'm doing? Because, you know, um, Thago asks, do you take a break? And the answer is potentially, right? Like if you feel like you're not hitting your goals and it's not enjoyable to you, and maybe you are even hitting your goals and it's still not enjoyable to you, then the, you know, the option for taking a break from either the way that you are playing Flesh and Blood currently, so maybe it's taking a step back and not testing as much and it's enjoying locals more and your armories more and kind of less focus on the competitive side or it's just taking a bit of a break taking a couple of week break and you know i'll wait till bright lights releases now and i'll just take a bit of a break for instance that could be the, the answer um but i think ultimately that comes back to like you know what is what is your goal and i think no matter what your goal is if you come back to the process like brendan says you can kind of approach it in different ways so let's say a couple of bad runs maybe nationals didn't go your way maybe you were at Baltimore, for instance, or you were at a calling previously, it didn't go your way. There's still more events to come. There's more events to come this year that you can play. There's a pro quest season coming up at, at minimum, which I'm sure almost everyone who listens to the pod who is competitive minded would have some access to play. Plus there's there's worlds who some people at least will be going to, and there's some callings and battle hardens as well that some people will have access to be able to go and play. Um, and if those are things that you still want to go play and and strive to do well at, then I think it is kind of a bit more about what Brennan says. It's time to reevaluate the process a little bit. Um, re- reflect on the results. Did you just get a little bit unlucky, you know? And, and be really critical, I think, of yourself as well, you know, and really try and be as honest with yourself as possible. Did my result, did the results not go my way because, you know, on the day, um, I my, my peerings were a little bit bad. I kind of maybe got a little bit unlucky. I made a couple of misplays here and there. Uh, or is it a case of like just the process overall? I showed up with the wrong deck. I showed up with the wrong list. I My preparation wasn't right. I wasn't ready for these matchups. My draft went terribly because I had the wrong approach to looking at this draft format. And if that's the case, and I think it's as Brennan says, go back and, and really look at the process and, and try and fundamentally understand some of the things that, that could be improved on. But it's such a it's such a tough question, right? Yeah, you got to take it as a holistic experience, I think. Like you need to find out what, actu- what, do you, what value do you actually derive from flesh and blood? Like if it's a specific position as 
specific tournament, I think you will ultimately like always set yourself up for failure. But if you look at it more holistically and you look at the trip, the people, um, you know, the competing part, et cetera, and you try to bring that in as one sort of experience that you can take away and sort of have as a memory for the rest of your life, then you can always find positivity in that. And I've been at this point, you know, we say, we sit on the podcast, we say, trust the process. There was a point when I was playing a lot of flesh and blood back in the early days, mm-hmm. I would win. I felt nothing. I would lose. The voices came back. Like it was bad, you know? <laughs> um, but you just have to get to a point where you mature as a player and a person. And I'm not saying that we're there yet to where you need to sort of zoom out on the experience because that is like the biggest pitfall of these card games. It's like you're ultimately playing a game that a lot of the the fun in it is actually hinged on the variance aspect. And then you want to attach this sort of very quantitative specific goal, which is like, I want to be first place or I want to be top eight. It's like you're, it's, it's, it's sort of an oxymoron, right? Like obviously it's controlled variance and you see good players perform consistently. But if you just think about that, that base fundamental concept that you, that you're sort of putting yourself into, it's like, that doesn't really make any sense, right? It's like, uh, and you're going to run into situations where you get a little bit unlucky or maybe you didn't get unlucky, but you're still not good enough at the game to actually perceive where you made mistakes and it's like those are feel bad moments so it's like focus on the process try to understand what about flesh and blood is actually bringing joy to your life and just zoom out a bit (laughs) it's like honestly if it is a numbers thing if you just go to one tournament and you get dominated like a lot of card games are they are numbers like you have to it's just not going to go your way every single time yeah i think um michael thing has like a pretty interesting view on this because i know between him and Brody, probably two of the players have been to the most events around the world, I think. And, you know, not not every event has gone Michael's way. And he talked about this in kind of the lead up to Pro Tour, you know, kind of enjoying the game, but maybe not being able to play as much as he wanted to and uh, maybe not having the results even in the process that he wanted to, but still sticking to that process, still, you know, uh, enjoying his flesh and blood and, and just taking it a game at a time, taking an event at a time. And I think... That is like such a nice outlook to have on on the game. Um, you know, you might go to a lot of events and some of them might come off and some of them might not, but having the kind of same attitude no matter the event and no matter the kind of the time, I think is is a good way to approach it. Yeah, the people get really upset at tournaments. They never last, to be honest. Like, I don't think you can take that mentality and send it over, you know, two, three, four, five, even 10 years of a quote-unquote career or even a hobby, right? Like, you just have to oh, find Oh, you're burnt out. You have to find a way to draw positivity out of it. And for me, it's I just kind of look at, I kind of try to zoom out and look at the whole experience. Um, Cause yeah, I mean, it's just not always going to go your way. But like Hayden said, definitely, definitely be critical of yourself. Not too critical. I know all this is about not being too sure. critical because that can get, that can get degenerate. But the biggest pitfall, 100% the biggest pitfall is that you blame everything on external factors rather than reevaluating your own process and your own play. And at some points, that's going to happen because you will actually not be good enough and not know enough about the game to appreciate where you've made mistakes. But if you stay humble, eventually you will get there and your friends will tell you like, oh, hey, you missed three three damage here. And you're like, oh, shit. And being critical, I would say being honest with yourself, right, about a process, an event or whatever is reflecting, it's like super confronting. It's like not the easiest thing to do, um, thousand percent. Mm, I feel like but I, I think slipped those in are that the, three the damage moments and you didn't pick up on it. Uh, did you? Yeah. <laughs> just try to shut it out of my head. I mean, I reflect on that and it's like, you know, that one for me in particular, that's, that's a mistake rather than necessarily a bad run. I mean, top four at nationals, I'm still happy with the result, right? I'm still happy with the process, happy with the result. Ultimately, it comes down to one mistake. And then my kind of takeaway from that is, okay, how do I make sure that in these maybe more 
mentally fatiguing situations, how do I make sure that those, you know, I, I can step back and improve next time to ma- not make that same mistake? Um, it's not easy, you know, but we'll work on it. <laughs> anyway, thank you for the question. Um, great question. No easy one answer, but I think, you know, taking a step back, as, as me and Brendan say, potentially a break is the right thing, potentially just kind of doubling down might be the right thing for you as well. Maybe it's like this just yeah. gives you the motivation the you job, need to like- get rid of the kids, divorce the wife, <laughs> oh. like go deep. <laughs> you're just not committing enough time. It's not that you're not good oh enough. You just need to commit more time. Well, you know what, Hayden? Uh, now that we're 50 minutes into the pod, I think I think it might be a good time to talk about the main topic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just, wow, you really scared me with that one. Uh, let's talk a little bit about, I mean, we've, we've been talking, the main topic is nationals, but let's talk a little bit yeah. about Let's talk a little bit about nationals from a, you know, as Brendan would say, the 10,000 foot view. Let's take a look at nationals week one. (laughs) That one. Uh, And talk about, you know, what's kind of been performing. And it's interesting when you look at the meta breakdown for nationals, because for US nationals, I'm going to start with US nationals. Mm -hmm. It really came back into kind of what we thought it would, you know, the battle hardens in the lead up and these kind of regional metas, specifically state based metas uh, in, in the US, for instance, they looked a little skewed, right? And then you get to nationals and what's the most played deck? Lexi. How much is the most played deck guy? Quite a significant margin, right? Yep, that's what happens when there's an invite-based invite, invite based tournament. Um, honestly, I got to give a shout out to Mr. Tark Patel here because his meta his meta evaluation was like pretty on par with what we saw. I think it was reasonable to expect. But yeah, I mean, Lexi, Icelander, Jermai, the top the top three decks that we expected and close behind that, Briar. Um Hayden, I mean, I think the most interesting thing on the weekend, or at least for me, because I'm biased to U.S. Nationals, was, I mean, there was a Rogue Briar deck there. There was a deck that people really weren't expecting, and that is- You said 3%. You said 3% chance that- Or was that me that said 3% chance? I feel like you said next to no chance that we see a, a Rogue deck show up and do well. I Not did, only did it do well, it, it won the event. I did, and it did well. It did really well, and that's Fatigue Briar. Um, I'm not sure if the whole team was on it, but obviously Charles Dunn was on it, the U.S. National Champion. And yeah, it's a different take on Briar. I mean, it's uh, abusing embodiment tokens. It was fatiguing out a lot of these Lexis. It's it, it. I didn't see it coming. I definitely did not see that deck coming, and it won the entire mm-hmm. tournament, which is incredible. It shows you, shows you sort of if you're looking at a future tournament, even at this level, um, you know whether it's Pro Tour, World Championships, and a meta that looked as defined as the one we were going into, where even someone like Mister Nick Nackerbrick, no, I'm kidding, could predict it. <laughs> um, there's still some, there's still a player or a group of players that were able to sort of flip this on its head and bring a deck that people were not ready for. Yeah, yep, and I think that's about. And honestly, people will always try this, right? And it might not come off. And when you get someone of the caliber of, of Charles and and the players that he works with, I think it's more likely to come off right. There's, you know, they've got the experience, they've got the ability to to not only come up with the idea and hone and tune the idea, but then also run it, run it, and run it at the event. And um, also, you've got to play your rounds of draft as well. You can't just do well in CC. You got to do well in draft as well. So, uh, yeah, big congratulations to to Charles and and the team on that one. Great result. Um, I think we were pretty. We were like, ah, will we see something spicy? Probably not. And it's, it's, I mean, just to be clear, I mean, this is not the first time we've seen Fatigue Briar be around and, and show up, but I think, you know, the first time we've seen it be a, a you know, this kind of tuned and refined plan by a, a, a team and, and bring it to an event. So, to a large event like this. So, yeah. Yeah, definitely great, qualifies great as uh, qualifies as spicy. I think, it, uh, you know, across the board for the Briars to show up to the tournament, it was not the most popular archetype, which is interesting. 
Of course not. No, no, no. I think you're going to see it was more traditional briar. And I think at, at US Nationals, briar was somewhat popular, but not, you know, it was in the top six decks. I think it might have been the sixth most played, but it wasn't, you know, it wasn't super popular. I thought it was the fourth most played deck. I could be was wrong. Was it the fourth most in the end? Okay. I don't know. Okay. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Gun to my head. I don't know. <laughs> Uh, weren't you there weren't you there yeah but i what i saw the meta on the tv like a few times and obviously you just, okay. look, at, you just look at the big three because you're like that's what we predicted and then you know the rest i know for our meta i mean we kind of predicted what would be the most played deck at our meta uh and it was dromai uh well no it was it was lexi but then dromai we, we knew lexi was going to come around and, and probably be the most played deck but dromai was the second most played deck at our event followed by icelander so it was those big three as well just uh you know in a slightly different skew but in the end it looks like when you look at these total nationals like yeah lexi really did come around and from the first week of nationals lexi won the most nationals mm-hmm. i mean lexi not, is not really a surprise lexi is the best deck um i know you said you feel like you're the best but okay outside of yes i can anecdot- i can quantify this yes. if you like and <laughs> outside of anecdotally like your personal opinion i mean just the numbers are very much in favor of Lexi being the strongest deck in the format. Hayden, Lexi is the best default deck. Like if I was to advise someone, this is the best deck for you. This is the best deck you should pick up and play. It is Lexi. It is, mm-hmm. I think, for most players, it's going to be the best deck to pick up and take to, to nationals. Um, I would still stand by. I feel like I had the best deck in the room <laughs> at Australian nationals, but that's a, a different kind of standpoint i think i do think dromai is very very good but i think dromai is very very punishing in some instances i think depending on what your meta is you could get punished by also running dromai as well um and same with icelander i think icelander are in a very good position as well one of the best decks in the format but same sort of thing has a disinherent power but you can get punished yeah i was, was honest- Icelanders in the top eight of, yes of US Lucas oswald was an icelander that could have been another player uh, i was honestly surprised to see how well icelander did but i mean I never said that Icelander was not good. It's just, it's not good for almost everybody that's hearing me say that right now, right? It's just these very few players that have sort of made their bad matchups okay matchups. Um, and then they're able to play that deck. And we see, we saw Lucas Oswald top eight on Icelander. But yeah, I mean, Majin was doing pretty well um, on Icelander as well. I think just didn't do super well in the day two draft. And yeah, it's just a fundamentally fundamentally powerful deck. But overall, even this, I think it did perform better than I expected it to, um, even though it didn't have like this insane performance. I have a point about, you know, you talked about these players who have fixed their bad matchups to a degree. These are just good players. Like yeah, if a good player, they're I just, agree. you know, I, I think honestly, I think a little bit sometimes good players almost give themselves a little bit of a handicap by playing particular decks <laughs> and going hard mode as opposed to just putting the reps in and like playing the better deck. And, and maybe even sometimes I fall into that camp, you know, and, and that is that is what it is, right? And I'll, I'll own that one. But um, yeah, you know, I think good players are always going to do well. And especially when they have decks that are consistent and they can harness the power, which is why I think good players will default to decks like Icelander. Uh, that's why I, I think Jeremiah is a good pick for <laughs> for, for, for solid players as well. Um, but yeah, I was just going back to take a quick look at the at the meta breakdown just so I could understand. So I know Lexi had a really good conversion rate as well. Um, it was twenty eight percent of of day one. Dromo was fifteen. Icelander was eighteen. So as that can't be right. That's that's conversion rate. Let me. I was thinking that does not look right. So Lexi was most played. Then Dromo. Then Bravo. Then Icelander. Then Katsu. Then Dash. Then Levi. Then Briar. So Briar was way down the chain. Talk to me about Katsu. Did you see much Katsu around at US Nationals? Like, I know this is a deck that's picked up in kind of popularity over the last few weeks again. 
was popular at Baltimore with the Polish team, mm-hmm. kind of dropped off again, didn't see it as much through the next season, but then it's come back up again through into this battle hardened into the national season. Actual zero. I saw zero. Um, and you mm-hmm. know, I, I get around at these at these at these uh, at these events. <laughs> I'm definitely walking around, definitely talking to people. I saw zero katsu. Um, you know, I just want to shout out our boy Bravo as well. Bravo did technically make the finals of the calling, which is a feat. But Bravo, not so what do you good. Mean technically, well, <laughs> you know, I was just on the preface with a compliment before I say the deck is terrible. I just don't think the deck is super well positioned. Um, And we saw that sort of in... It's weird. It's like, I always have this um, this sort of philosophical conundrum. When you evaluate an event like a US Nationals, a Pro Tour Worlds, what do you give more credence to? The tournament that has the best players in it, which is objectively the main tournament of the weekend, or... The calling, which is purely constructed because the uh, the other tournament has these sort of oddball draft rounds, blitz rounds, those kind of things. And it's like, which one is mm-hmm. a better litmus test of what the actual class constructive meta looks like? Which one is has the higher integrity of the, de- the data? Because Bravo did not do well in US Nationals, but it yeah, made the finals of the calling. And that is a purely constructed tournament with a lot of people, something like 600, I believe. I think it's the amalgamation of of all of these events. You know, I think no single data point, like there's always, you know, there's downsides, there's data points. Although I will say a lot of Canadians traveled to this US Nationals. There's a lot of good players who, you know, maybe unfortunately didn't have their draft run on day one and, and decided to play calling on day two. I know some people dropped at X2 because they felt they, only with one loss to give and maybe not the confidence in, in draft, decided to play the calling instead. So still a lot of good players playing this calling. Um, in terms of sort of just the meta as well, I actually I gave the the calling meta breakdown. In in the nationals, Briar was the fifth most played, but Lexi, Isanda, Jeremiah was still the, the same top three. Bravo mm-hmm. top four. So the metas look pretty similar. Just um, Katsu was a lot less popular in nationals, which which makes sense, I think, with an invite on the event. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. I think you know. I mean, look who won the calling, right? Yuki won the calling. Obviously, a very accomplished player. Uh, there was a number of Canadians in that top eight, I think, as well. Being not the Canadian nationals weekend, they traveled to play, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, I guess anecdotally, and Peter almost top eight of the calling on uh, on Kano. Yeah, it was it was basically one match away, which was yep. interesting. I was able to show you that, but uh, yeah, I mean, I digress. I, I took us on a Kano tangent. I'm sorry. I apologize. <laughs> Every time, let's take a, just a quick wrap up of kind of Nationals Week One. So we'd said that that Lexi obviously <clears throat> uh, had the most success over the weekend. Adding two hundred what's this forty six points to the Living Legend. I'm just looking at this. Um, someone had put out a basically a, a Living Legend sheet based on national season. Briar, of course, now hitting Living Legend with Charles Wynn over the weekend. Um, Dromai, Kano, and Dash and Icelander were equal third in terms of contribution to Living Legend points over the weekend, though, which is interesting. So, kind of wanted to end and give you the kind of I was going to say soapbox. I'll give you your your kind of stand to talk a little bit about Kano in this format because you did obviously play it this weekend. Kano had a pretty good weekend, second at Australian Nationals at one in Philippines, at one also in Poland, um, and to see some top eights across across the world. So, you know, while Lexi was dominating, Briar had Living Legend, Dromai Dash Icelander had pretty good weekends. Kano also had a very good weekend. 
Yeah, I would really like to see uh, see him break down the lists from Polish nationals in uh, the Philippines as well. Um, that would be super interesting because the Kano deck is an interesting spot right now, um, particularly because it feels like the core of the deck is just not very changeable. Um, and I want to see where people can find creative expression with the deck and maybe bring it up to uh to the next level because i mean kano just has this inherent level of variance in terms of matchups what your opponent brought and just like in general right it's a combo deck it's a combo deck with a lot of tutors that draws a lot of cards but still it feels like sometimes it just doesn't go your way um as kano and obviously that's heavily mitigated by more reps you have on the deck but like can kano ever become a deck that consistently sees results from tournament to tournament in the in its card card Mm -hmm. pool that's why i want to kind of you know, take a look at, you know, aggregate all these deck lists and see if people have made any changes to the deck. Um, because I, I do think that your Lexi matchup was pretty good. Your my matchup was fine, um, ish. And then your Icelander matchup was bad, but like, honestly, I don't know. Most Icelanders are, I don't know. They can't win that matchup. I don't know what to say. Like, th- that's just the thing. It's like most of the Icelanders you pair into are pretty uh are, are easier matchups than not. I just think that Kano was, he was in a fine position. It's like, it, <laughs> The days of the past were like if you were taking Kano to a tournament, you were you were sort of inting on purpose or literally bringing a suboptimal deck because you thought it was yeah. cool. And that has only recently changed where it's like, okay, this is a legitimate deck. You can take it. And you're still probably not taking the best deck in the room. You're still probably making a decision to try to have more fun rather than not. But it's a deck that can actually win tournaments because Kano has been a deck that we've seen it have performances, but in terms of winning tournaments and like multiple tournaments on a weekend with the national national title up for grabs hasn't happened. So I just think that I think the reason why Kano is where, it, is where he is right now is because I think that the collective community of flesh and blood is getting better at Kano. I think that people know how to play yeah. the deck now and people actually know how to play against it too. Like people mm-hmm. understand what the combo is. I don't have to call a judge over in order to do the combo <laughs> at this point. Um, so uh, yeah, I mean, maybe now that, because in, in the past it was like, I think 0.05% of players were putting uh, cognitive effort towards developing Kano. And now that number is much, much, much higher. Like there are other players, other groups that are actually trying to develop this deck and we've seen it just have more success. So who knows? I would love to see innovation on the Kano front. Yep. No, fair enough. I think, um, you know, I said last week, <laughs> I don't know why you would take Kano to an event. And not that I would go back on that. I mean, I, I that was kind of, I guess hyperbole a little bit like i know why you take kano to an event i'm not yeah, saying it's, it's just an out and out suave <laughs> well that is you really did just describe farhad as well so i'll mm. let him know uh <laughs> but i think this weekend and this recent meta has shown that you know the the gap between the top decks the tier two decks and the tier three decks is really closed mm-hmm. so taking a deck that you are super familiar with you have really honed game plans you have a really honed list on regardless of maybe what tier that hero sits in is a more reasonable decision than it has been in the past in previous meters if you weren't taking one of the top three decks you were just setting yourself so far below you were giving yourself such a disadvantage when when you went into the event i don't think that exists anymore so mm-hmm. people talk about like you know specialists are being really rewarded yes they, they are but i think good players who put their effort into heroes that they're familiar with or the hero they want to play and really hone their game plans and getting rewarded regardless if that's the hero that they always play or whether that's you know one of the ones that they're super familiar with or it's a new hero that they've really put time into i think you know some of us have been an example of that over the past week so um 
I just think that the, you know a lot more heroes are viable, a lot more game plans are viable than they have been previously, and that means it's a it's a good time for people who want to play you know your Kanos, your Dorys, your Dashes, um, your Briars, uh, your Rhinars of the world as well. Rhinar picked up a Nationals win last week. <laughs> yeah, it's super interesting, Hayden, because I actually had a conversation. I was doing a bit of surveying on the week. Um, and like you said, I agree with you. Most decks are playable at this point. The gap between tier one or tier zero decks and other decks is it's lower than it has been in the past, or it seems it is. Um, in general, in terms of the actual representation of heroes that show up, even at invite only events, it's pretty healthy. Um, top eights is pretty healthy, etc. But I had I I've a few people come up to me and complain about the state of flesh and blood. And I go, I would, okay. I would, I would respond with that. I would respond with all of these other factors that look like they are flourishing in terms of an actual meta. You have diversity. You have the ability to play whatever deck you sort of want. The tier one deck or the best deck, what looks to be Lexi, right? Quantitatively, statistically, Lexi. It's not that much the best deck. You don't have to play it. You can actually even play other aggro decks, other mid range decks. So it's like, why do you not like the game, or why are you complaining about the game? And I don't know. I had a lot of I had a lot of different answers on it because there was it's it's a really interesting spot. Maybe I'll have to put it in the command and cookout section. But the answer I got most consistently was just the state of like mid range. Right? People don't like the sort of mid ranginess of the format. I think, and I think it's just a lot of people ending up on Lexi that don't want to be playing Lexi. Where they think it's just a we're playing mid range variants. But yeah, I think if you looked at it from ten thousand feet, we'll say. Flesh and Blood class construction looks to be in the healthiest place it's ever been, yeah. in my opinion. But I will say, anecdotally, personally, I don't know. I think I had more. F- is, is it nostalgia, or did we have more fun in the chain formats, and the Starva formats, Prism formats, Briar formats, etc.? I mean, technically, you could call this a Briar format because it's one U.S. Nationals. So yeah, ponder that. If you have an answer to that question, or like why you love the current format of Flesh and Blood, let us know in the YouTube comments. I'd love to hear because I was having this conversation with a lot of people because. The people come up, they would complain, and I would point to a million reasons about why it's like everything about this looks like we're in the best situation we've ever been. Yeah, I flip and flop. That would be my answer. But I really enjoyed my time playing Droma in preparation for this Nationals. Um, Excited to see where we go next. Draft. I I tell you what, I'm glad. I'll end on this. I'm glad I don't have to draft Monarch ever again. That's been episode 125 of Arsenal Pass with myself, Hayden Dale, Brent Patrick. You can find us on Twitter at BrendanAPG over there. I'm at Fian underscore Dale, like the tunic, like my last name. You can find us on YouTube if you're listening on any audio platforms. And as Brennan says, one of the best things you can do for us if you like to support us is to go and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. You can go to ratethispodcast.com forward slash Arsenal Pass and follow the link to your preferred podcast platform and drop us a review. It helps us a lot, gets us out there. And um, yeah, we really appreciate it. Shout out to all the Arsenal Pass patrons. If you are looking for this, draw my dick guide that's going to go up this week the full deck tech as always will be free to you on youtube you can find all the information the reasons we played the cards the full deck list everything if you want the cyborg guide in a bit more in-depth detail then that will be on patreon this weekend as well so you can check that out but yeah anything else to say before we sign off i just want to say if you're listening to this podcast and you're looking at the new product release by legend story and you're like wow this is so cool but mm, the professor why isn't this arsenal pass like our what you know <laughs> <laughs> you can make that happen by liking and subscribing so hit that especially if you've been listening for a while i'm just kidding we don't want to do a product release but if you've been listening you like this you listen to this podcast you're like wow i, I got a nugget of knowledge hit like subscribe it helps so much all right yeah see you next week see you next week <laughs>